0: This week's episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by the Humble Bundle. Hey, if you're looking to expand your gaming library, either through your PC or one of your console systems, you have to check out what Humble Bundle can bring to you. You'll be able to donate at a level that you're comfortable with. And I say donate because when you subscribe to the Humble Bundle, every week a portion of the proceeds go to support a very... Good charity. They vet their charities. You get a ton of games. And hey, for 12 bucks, you get AAA games, a bunch of indies, and you can really, really fill out your Steam library. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, find the link to the humble bundle, and give it a shot. 12 bucks. And if you pick up one game a month you like, it's paid for itself. Plus, proceeds go to fantastic causes you can even scale and select the charities of your choice again go to nerdcognito.com scroll down the page find the link to the humble bundle and subscribe now on with the show (laughs) Cognito. Hey hey everybody, my name is Ryan David. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Nerd Cognito, and I am joined as always by Bert. Hey
1: Bert. Hey Ryan, how you doing?
0: Uh, I still am just got the the remnants of sickness rattling in my chest, but I'm trying to power through it. And uh how are you doing? I know uh the sickness bit you this week.
1: Yeah, I spent most of the week in bed, but you know, everything's much better now and you know, I'm dealing
0: with it. Well, I will tell you, you sound a thousand times better than I sounded after a week. Uh, you remember, we recorded the Ryan was delirious episode. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and, I uh, do. Uh, oh, shit. I might have accidentally deleted those this original files.
1: <laughs> right. Accidentally. accidentally.
0: We got it. Uh, you know, that's true. This week, we have on deck two things. We've got, uh, well, you know that guy, right, Bert? That guy? That guy. That oh, guy. that guy. That guy. That guy that was in your group for a while, maybe a real-life friend, but an absolute shit player and, uh, you know, either left in a tizzy on their own or was unceremoniously asked not to return. That guy.
1: Oh, yeah. there done that
0: we're going to talk about persona non grata at the gaming table and uh you know is there a coming back from it what causes it how do you handle it as a group as a dm and Hmm. uh generally speaking you know the not so nice real world implications of bad gaming and uh i don't know if you've been paying attention this week Bert, but uh there was a soft, informal announcement of a new tabletop role-playing game this week. Oh, really? There was! I can't believe you didn't see it. It's Aura's, the tabletop game.
1: Oh, yours! My, That's a different oh, thing. Oh, yeah.
0: oh, oh. So, um, while wow, we are nowhere near a formal announcement. Uh, people have asked... And uh, surprisingly, the, the the whole, I guess, aesthetic is really a big hit in, in the community and with the folks that, that I've bounced it off of. So we're going to talk a little bit about the system. Well, you get to take the prime chair and ask me anything, uh, and I will sort of tell you where Auras, the role-playing game, came from, okay. where I hope it's headed, and uh, just, you know, where I'm at in the process, because truthfully, it is kind of a one-man show, you know what I mean? So, um, not, not a segment to toot my own horn, but just a segment to talk about it, because there wasn't really a heck of a lot going on in the gaming world. It was a pretty quiet week, so why not? Why not? Put a little background toot toot from my horn in it, so.
1: So what you're saying is we're light on news.
0: Oh, I didn't say we were light on news. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, I did have to parse down the news this week, uh, but we're light on good news. So <laughs> so there you have. Wonderful. It. <laughs> Are we ever heavy on good news? I. I can't yeah, remember a week where I came out of the news and said, man, that was a fucking invigorating news segment.
1: Yeah, you have a point.
0: Not ever. Not, I mean, every once in a while we get a story that's that's good. But uh, generally speaking, the news is, is sadness and disappointment. The news needs Lexapro. So... <laughs> The news needs Alexa, bro. Much like okay. our first brand of players, Bert. Oh, mm-hmm. those guys. Oh, yeah. Now, you, you know, I've, I've talked about the epitome of that guy in my gaming life. And anybody that's followed me on social media at I Hate Ryan David knows that I, from time to time... Drop a little window into the world of that guy, who I affectionately call Drunk Joe. Okay, y- you've you've heard the stories of Drunk Joe
1: several times.
0: Yeah, yeah. In fact, he came up uh, even the week that you were absent because, you know, Drunk Joe is that guy. <sighs> We've all had one of those guys or girls or or whatevers at our table, and no mm-hmm. oh, sure there's a bunch of reasons why people sometimes gots to go. Um, maybe it's a personality conflict. Maybe it's a play style conflict. Maybe they just did something so egregious in life that it can't be a productive and entertaining and fun gaming session. And you just got to cut the cancer out. Um, I don't really have anywhere to go with this one. It, it, it's interesting because there are so many reasons why you might need to cut and punt a player. Uh, got anything popping in your mind that I haven't covered?
1: Sure. I mean, there's and there's also two types of, uh, I guess, when it comes to punting a player. Like, do you wrap up the campaign and then just not invite them back for the next one? Yeah. Or is this something where you cut all ties right now and, th- and throw them out the door?
0: Kill the character, maybe make the character an underling of the BBEG, and uh, get them to go. Or you're talking about the person, though.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, when you, there are all kinds of different gamers, and we've all dealt with you know, play styles that were difficult to work with. But when it comes to the person, like, do you finish out the campaign and just kind of soft exit them, start, you know, start a new group, don't invite them back. Do you, or do you, you know, tell them, Hey, you're out. I
0: I, I don't know. I'm more, and I know a surprise to everyone. I I am more of the, I don't want to sugarcoat it and I don't Mm -hmm. want to draw out the bad if you're infringing on my good time then uh you know I, I think it's better for all parties just to rip the bandaid off and get the fuck out. Um I I've never experienced and this includes I was I was excluded from one gaming group once and I'll tell that story happily. Uh it, it involves drunk Joe too. <laughs> <laughs> um but I was I was told not to come back to a a gaming group as well and from the receiving end of it uh I don't I don't think I would want it to be drawn out either might as well dive into it huh fair enough so let's hit the rewind button 15 20 years and I met drunk joe because my roommate at the time gamed in a gaming group that was hosted at his, at his being Drunk Joe's apartment. Now, okay. we had all met tangentially a, at some point, but I was not a member of that gaming group, right? And, and right. my roommate said, hey, you know, you all know Ryan. He has this group. He's looking to pick up another group because, you know, back then we could juggle eight groups and still have a life somehow. That's, that was sort of my into that group. Now, at this point in time, uh, and I guess the reason why I have no shame in my exit from this group is because I truly was without sin. You know, I was a decent player. I showed up. I brought my snacks. I did everything. But I happened to sleep with the girl that Drunk Joe was really interested in. Oh. And that was a no-go. Um. And things were tense, right? It, it, sure, absolutely, and, they and visibly tense. Not from me because I didn't give a shit, but from him because, well, drunk Joe is, I guess, what you could call a stereotypical '80s nerd, okay, hosed down in rum. Interesting, R- right? So and he pirate. Does, pirate. Uh, 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 pirates are fun. He's not a fun <laughs> drunk. Like. I I genuinely feel bad. Uh, there are times where I bought the man gas and groceries, uh, took him to my house, took him to my parents' house to do pantry raids because his life was was very much on the rocks. And okay. most of it, unfortunately, attributed to alcohol. My short fling with the chick ended. Things got better. Joe finally got the chick. And... My character, in-game, was a chaotic, neutral rogue.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Planned out some sort of heist that Joe didn't want me to carry out. The dice fell in my favor. I was able to flawlessly execute the heist, which irritated him, right? And the girl, in-character, reported me to the local noble who was the victim of the heist, right? Okay. I got thrown in jail, beat up, lost all my loot, blah, 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 in-game. In so the next night, in-game, I uh, stealthily went over to her character and uh, removed her ear mm. while she was asleep, but immediately healed it with a healing potion, and we were in a Dragonlance campaign, so healing potion was nothing to sneeze at, right?
1: No, I mean, they were difficult to come by and very effective.
0: Yeah, so she... Didn't have an ear, and I kept the ear as a trophy, and that was the the coup de gras, so to speak. That was my exit from the group because there was a lack of separation between character and life. Not from me, mm-hmm. not from her, but from Joe. Okay. And uh, get the fuck out of here! Blah blah blah. blah.
1: Blah, 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 blah.
0: I, I guess I never got an official, you can't come back, but, you know, <laughs> the, the writing was on the wall. Right. Uh, You're like,
1: I'm totally blameless. I just cut off a character's ear and kept it as a trophy. <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess he saw it as me poking the bear because, well, I poked his broad and, uh, mm. you know, she was not happy with my resolution. And then that was just the icing on the cake.
1: I've never been asked to leave a group, so I don't have that experience, but I've been kind of on the other side of things. And I've seen both a soft exit and I've seen, you know, a firm exit. The soft exit was pretty simple. You know, the guy joined the campaign and he was one of those guys who wanted to win at D&D. Ah, oh, my
0: one but of my favorite types of, of players.
1: You know, he was a power gamer, which a lot of people are, but his character was a one trick pony. Uh-oh. He could do 137 points of damage in a single round, but he couldn't do anything else.
0: Right, so he's a big fucking glass cannon.
1: Right, and so like any time that we had to, you know, he he couldn't contribute to stealth or diplomacy, or he was basically, you know, a uh, a ballista. Right, point, <laughs> you know what I mean? I do,
0: I do. And you know my a, love for min maxers, so i am I'm just dripping with sympathy for this guy already.
1: So, you know, when the campaign wrapped up, we took a few weeks off, we're deciding if we were gonna play another game, and nope. and they never asked him to come back. So I was like, Okay, well, you know, that makes sense, you know, that you want That was an entirely
0: diplomatic and like right, you said, soft, soft exit. exit, you know. Because there wasn't right, a big it, blow up, right? There wasn't a, you fucked my girlfriend right. and then you no, fucked her wasn't, character. There weren't right?
1: personality uh-uh. conflicts or anything like that, but the play styles were so vastly different. Like, all about, uh, like, we're trying to create, you know, well balanced characters, you know, that have interesting personalities and stories and skills. And then we've got basically a ballista on legs.
0: Now, Now, was there any correction? For that style in-game? I mean, there was some discussion
1: about it because the uh, combats became really uneven. Like, characters were on the verge of death all the time because he could deal so much damage, like, foes would come out of the woodwork. Like, those of us who weren't... Right, but did the
0: DM customize encounters that would neutralize that mid-maxing and and sort of in-game, wink-wink, smack on the wrist...
1: No, we were doing modules, so the campaigns were the campaign was on rails.
0: Oh, uh, ha, ha,
1: ha! So there wasn't a gotcha, lot of modification gotcha. that could be made. Um, he would just he could ramp up the difficulty, which meant that the combat
0: that punishes everybody. Then,
1: right? So it was different. So that was we just kind of called it quits. Everybody went their own way, and then when we got together for our next our next campaign, you know, we had different players at the table. That's all.
0: Hey, I. I- I often draw the parallel that a good gaming group is like a date, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes you have one date and sometimes it's a memorable date. Sometimes it is the greatest one nighter of your life, but you don't always call them to go right. to dinner the next night.
1: Right, and,
0: exactly. And that's okay. That It is okay. Um, you know, I can think of a particular segment of our dear hobby, that, um, well, they have a very different play style than would mesh at my table, right? And I get a lot of shit because people assume that, you know, I want to eradicate them from existence, and that's not necessarily the case. I do want them to to ratchet it back, you know. The mm-hmm. world doesn't have to play the same way that you play. Yeah. I recognize that. I want them to recognize that. If You know, if they want to... Go and tie one on, and then role play going to Blaze Pizza as a fox. More power to you, bro. If you've got a group that wants to do that, but um, don't shove it down my throat. So
1: now the other type. Yes, the other type is the type that I think that you're going to be more interested in, because, like you said, this was just kind of like a meh date. You know, you saw it through to the end and dropped them off at home and didn't go out again. Right. This other one that I was with uh, was, oh, several years ago. The, um, the player was asked to leave based on the player, not on the character.
0: Been and there and so, done that. I've asked a few to do that just because of that. But I want to hear your story.
1: Sure. So, I mean, this guy, he was eager, but there were some, you know, he was rough around the edges of. Uh, for one thing, he was very, very clumsy. And uh, that's not a bad thing in itself until I watched him spill six sodas on character sheets in one night. Mm.
0: After the first one, he should have not been permitted to have, to have look, a drink at the they, table. All right, now you can't have that at the table. Let me go get your sippy cup. Right. You know,
1: you need a glass with a lid. Like That's... So, I mean... But,
0: and now, you know, again, me being also very forward and unfiltered, I probably would have said something like that to them.
1: <laughs> right. And, I mean, you can't fault somebody for being clumsy. Clumsy is something oh, yes, just like a can. bull in a
0: china shop. Yes, you you can.
1: You know, if somebody's clumsy, you know, they could have balance issues. There could be any other reason why they'd be clumsy. But the, uh, the other thing was this guy... Um, thought he was a larger-than-life personality, when (laughs) he wasn't. So, like, you know, invited him to a party, he drank six gimlets, broke somebody else's house up, smacked somebody's girlfriend on the backside, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, actually broke the locks on somebody's front door. You know, after that, it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, we can game at my house, but he can't come. Right somebody had to sit him down and talk to him and kind of phase him out. And, you know, he, he started, you know, live action stuff and, uh, you know, did a bunch of different things and oh, that's great. The clumsy
0: way. guy LARPing. That ought to be a blast.
1: Uh, well, it wasn't my problem at that
0: point. No, <laughs> no, you know, I, and again, I think you were probably more gracious with that than, than I would have been. Um, I would have been again, very forward. Even that, that was about as aggressive as I'm going to get. I'm not looking to pick a fight. I'm not no. looking for a confrontation.
1: Heck
0: no. I'm looking to eliminate <coughs> confrontation at my table. So uh, I, I don't want to, unless I don't like you, and then I'll probably get some digs in. But that's just me because I'm an asshole. That's not news to anybody. <laughs>
1: Speaking oh, of. You said it.
0: I did. I did. I I warned you, too. We got a big one this week.
1: All right. Hit me.
0: Big old news week this week. Uh, You still haven't uh, subscribed to your Paramount Plus yet, have you?
1: No, I have not.
0: So you still have not seen any of the new iterations of Star Trek.
1: Not really, no. Well... uh, (laughs) Just the the one episode you made me watch.
0: Well, this one will be... um, I guess a little lackluster for you. As you know, Star Trek Picard is heading towards the release of the third and final season. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the um, showrunners have released footage and information regarding the hero ship going back to some Star Trek roots. You know, one of the criticisms of Picard was... It's not Star Trek because there's no ship, there's no space, there's no blah, 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 right? Right. Um, well, the third season apparently either is intentionally or unintentionally addressing that, and uh, the hero ship of season three is going to be the USS Titan A, which is a hmm. Neo-Constitution class or Constitution Three class for those of you that are into your starship porn. Um, it's a very pretty ship. It's also the successor, or I guess the, the retrofit, or the the new version, I guess we'll find out, of the Titan, which, uh, if you are a near and dear next-gen fan, know that that was the commission that Commander then-Captain Riker uh, was, was granted uh, after his days on the Enterprise. So... They at least have a ship to be excited about. It's pretty ship. I don't know. What more can you say?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's something about starship designs. They keep getting, you know, more and more, I think, interesting. Yeah. I guess as time goes on in the Star Trek universe, like you see all kinds of things that you know, well, I guess obviously, you know, the original ones were limited by the time. You couldn't have nacelles that moved because it was a plastic model. You couldn't, you know.
0: Right. You know, technology evolves. But right. also, um, at the time, just the concept of science fiction was very narrow, where it's incredibly broad, right? It is a whole frontier now mm-hmm. uh, when you look at the science fiction spectrum. Uh this was a throwaway. I wasn't even going to mention it, but you you brought it up. And when we look at how broad the spectrum in science fiction is for creativity, uh, the showrunners also acknowledge that some popular fan design ships are going to be canonized in the fleet, you know, and it might just be flying by in the background, but how fucking cool is it? If you're one of those guys that gets your rocks off designing these ships for like star Trek online and stuff, and you get to see your design. In canon,
1: that's actually really cool. It's always nice when they, when a show like that kind of embraces the fans.
0: Yeah, Yeah. So um, ships are pretty. This one is as pretty as a, as a ship can be. I like my ship porn, but I'm not super into it like some people are. It's a good looking ship. Maybe I'm showing my age, just like the first emoticon, Bert. Turns 40 this week. Do you feel old?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, the smiley face turns 40.
1: The smiley um, face? Really? The
0: smiley face emoticon, yes. Uh, in the early 1980s, Carnegie Mellon computer science community was set on fire by bulletin boards. Hey, I, I was uh, in Pittsburgh at that time, and I was a member of the Pittsburgh Commodore group and the Carnegie Mellon supercomputing group at that time. <laughs> I really was um, a professor at Carnegie Mellon that thought it would be a cute and clever way to quote explicitly mark posts that were not meant to be taken seriously. And hence the, the smiley face emoticon was born. I have to uh, correct the article as I glance at it because even the article makes me feel old because they're calling them emotes, but really, if you're old like I am, you know it's an emoticon. <laughs> Sticking with the computer science front, uh, I think anybody that is one click above the average bear in the Windows computer world has heard of malware bytes.
1: And has possibly has, yeah. used
0: it to clean out a member of their family's computer that is absolutely disgustingly riddled with all sorts of adware and spyware. Well, <laughs> this week, Malware Bytes blocks Google and YouTube as malware.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness, really? <laughs> yeah, that's it funny. Was a
0: pretty serious. Error. Malwarebytes did acknowledge that it is an error. Uh, They're aware of a temporary issue with web filtering that is blocking certain domains, including Google.com. They did fix it in relatively short order. But something that was clearly being presented, right? Because Malwarebytes pulls the page before it renders in your browser, makes sure that it's clean, and then sends it back to the browser. So something in the Google ecosystem tripped one of their flags. Uh, hopefully it was a false positive. We'll never know. N- we'll never know the, what really happened. Uh, you know, They're not going to tell us. Uh, let's jump over to video games. huh?
1: Fair enough. What do we got in video games?
0: Uh, how many quarters did you line up on Mortal Kombat back in the day in the arcade? Oh, man.
1: In uh, at my, at my arcade, there was a line at Mortal Kombat. Winner stayed loser loser recycled to the back of the line right right so, as
0: as good arcade etiquette would dictate
1: oh sure you know but yeah everybody was lined up to play mortal Kombat, and uh you know that guy who knew all the fatalities would get you every time
0: oh of course and sometimes in like 30 seconds <laughs> oh yeah was just like, oh, and guess- i'm talking both rounds
1: yeah, I mean, I thought I was doing good when I learned Raiden's Superman punch. That that became very effective for me for a while.
0: Uh, I, I I don't remember specifically the first arcade fatality that I pulled off, but I do remember the first, we'll call it, handful of them. And it was just a great feeling to, to actually do it in the arcade because you saw guys do it. But when you did it, it was it was something special.
1: The only one I ever pulled off in the arcade was the uh, was Kano's uh, rip the heart out.
0: The heart punch. Yep. I think my first one was Scorpion Toasty. Oh, very nice. So, um, in fact, I know it was because Scorpion was my arcade character that was preferred at that time. Well, co-creator of Mortal Kombat, John Tobias, uh, he's on the Twitter, and he revealed just flipping through, you know, you clean shit out. I've done it. And you find a piece of paper that's 20, 30 years old. (laughs) I've also done that. He revealed his original hand sketch of the Mortal Kombat dragon icon on on a tattered old piece of notebook paper, uh, which was pretty cool. The uh, artwork was, of course, then digitized, and Tobias himself went pixel by pixel tracing it from that artwork to to the, to the logo that we know and love. So it really is a case of art right the first time. Um,
1: well, I mean, that was not... I mean, I guess it was a little unusual at that time, but in the early days of video games, they did grid mapping all the time. Yep. Every game for Atari and things like that was all grid mapped.
0: Right, and uh, it got him waxing nostalgic about... Mortal Kombat in general. Uh, The dragon logo actually was a hard sell. It was between that and a seahorse. Yeah. I don't know. How does
1: that work? Seahorse for Mortal Kombat.
0: Um, The game was also originally slated to be titled Dragon Attack. Um,
1: (laughs) Dragon Attack. Dragon Attack.
0: But uh, Ed Boon and and John Tobias at the end decided... On Mortal Kombat, Dragon Attack, uh, as you know, is also a Queen song, and uh, Ed Boon apparently loves said Queen song. So, if you are interested, uh, go check out at the Real Cybot. There is a whole thread of vintage Mortal Kombat creation, like pre-alpha stuff. He has all sorts of very, very cool artwork that's up. Uh, He has his original sketches of the arcade cabinet, which, you know, you youngins don't understand, but that was a big deal. That's what drew you in to put your quarter in. Um, Absolutely. He, uh, you know, put up a a video of a god-awful, tacky, golden dragon statue that he picked up that was actually the inspiration for the Mortal Kombat dragons. Um, Talks about dragon attack, talks about the logo, And it really is some great insight into the mind of, I mean, Tobias and Boone arguably are in the top five amusement designers. Notice I didn't say just game, because Mm -hmm. they also were at the pinnacle of the golden age of pinball, the resurgence, when everything went led dot matrix they did mortal Kombat. they did all of the midway games that you can think of that were quarter munchers at the time smash tv and uh you know they were bally midway for a good 10 years so um definitely on the mount rushmore of the arcade designers let's put it that way uh, first, so let me
1: ask you, Ryan yeah. no, We're talking about arcades, we're talking about You know, our youth What arcade, or what cabinet art Always drew, drew you in? Just sucked in your quarters
0: Purely based on cabinet art?
1: Yep oh,
0: This this is going to be Difficult Because I was a pinhead More than I was uh, A video gamer, gamer. But Um excluding pinball, cabinet art that drew me in. You're going to laugh, but, but this is this is God's honest truth. Um, terrible game. Knew it was a terrible game. Cabinet art drew me in. Pit fighter.
1: Oh, yeah. The cabinet art on that one. The game itself had terrible gameplay, but the cabinet art was great.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, other cabinet art that always just didn't fit for me was, I don't know if you remember the Konami Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. They had didn't play
0: that. A, um, a photo realistic, it was a photo of a you know regular human April O'Neil, and that just didn't fit because at that point the comics and the original animated series were airing on TV and very prevalent in the hobby shops. So the, you know, the actress that they got looked like, you know, it was the Halloween spirit version of April O'Neil on the cabinet. And that one always just rubbed me the wrong way. (laughs) What about you? What was your best cabinet art?
1: Oh, uh, Tower of Doom. ate so Um, many quarters for me.
0: But from the cabinet art or... Because A, it was D&D, and B, it was a quarter muncher.
1: Well, it was a quarter muncher, but seeing that Dungeons & Dragons logo after having you know been a gamer for, you know, been playing Dungeons & Dragons for years, like, I would go in and I would just kind of walk around and look at the displays and play a little bit. As soon as the arcade I went to got a Dungeons & Dragons arcade uh, cabinet, and that was when I was in high school, I would be glued there, like, literally... All my quarters went into that cabinet trying to beat it.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. W- without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's something that, that I really do miss. And I feel bad to an extent that my little dude won't know the arcade culture. Like, there is a big retro arcade two counties over from where I'm at. We've talked about this before. Sure. And I, I've taken the little dude to that before, and he loves it. He asks when we're in that area, do oh, you go to the arcade?" Um, and no, we't we don't have you know, we're here for your funeral. we're not going to the arcade. Um, <laughs> right. But um, it, it it wasn't just the the collection of games. It was the atmosphere. It was the people. You had a sense of camaraderie with people that you may have never met, but you all followed the same code. You had the same ethics. You had the same respect for each other,
1: and you yeah, you all got to commiserate with a with a soda about the twenty three year old that killed everybody playing Mortal Kombat, or the uh, you know.
0: But but yeah, that that whole experience is something that's that's lost, and sadly our generation got to really see the brunt of it because we saw sort of the beginning and the end. The death spiral started with, like, the Dave & Buster's explosion. And when oh, arcades sure. shifted from gaming to ticket redemption, uh, you sort of saw the writing mm-hmm. on the wall. Now, Now they're gone. Now they're gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thing you've got now are, you know, places that, you know, run. You're not going to see any more quarter munchers. You've got places that run cards. You've got places that you pay pay to play. But that uh, that feeling of having, you know, sounding like a gunslinger walking through the arcade because you have ten dollars. I was going to say you got five pocket. bucks in
0: each pocket and you're ready to go.
1: Yeah, you, you literally sound like an old western, uh, like stereotype, swinging open the saloon doors and jingling your way over to that arcade cabinet. And if
0: you go to the dark side, like me. You figured out how to uh do the quarter flip out of the coin return for free games, oh. yeah yeah or or you when you were busted flat, you would go around and check and man, when you found a quarter or a token you were you were on cloud oh, yeah. nine oh, yes, yes, speaking of ends as we get to the end of the news, okay. James Earl Jones has officially signed over the rights to the voice of Darth Vader which signals his retirement this. I mean, from the role. He is 90. He is 90 and there's there's two arguments to it, you know, he could die and whatever the estate would probably hold it up forever because that's the world we live in now. But True. he gave it away just because he quote wished to keep Vader alive.
1: I mean, it's an iconic role for him. Why wouldn't you want to keep that alive? I mean, that's a character that lives in everybody's mind, you know, from people who were, you know, original Star Wars fans way back in the day to people who grew up with it on TV like us to, you know, the people who, you know, watched the third prequel, I guess. Uh,
0: Whatever it is. Um, There is speculation and that they are going to digitally reproduce his voice. Um, I don't know if you've heard some of the new audio deepfakes that are out there.
1: I have not heard very much of that.
0: They're crazy. They are crazy. Literally, type into a computer or I would speak into my microphone and James Earl Jones would, with his voice and my inflection, speak back to you. So it, it is possible that we're still going to hear... Vader and it is probably likely that we are still going to hear Vader but uh we know now you know we, we know what what will be happening behind the curtain and it's not going to be the man himself so Mufasa has fallen off the cliff in the Star Wars universe but that my friend is the news
1: fair enough
0: ay 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 Oh, that was a downer to end the news on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, nobody wants to think about James Earl Jones being gone, but I mean, he is 91. 90 years, yeah, I mean, when you're in your 90s, if that if we want to keep that character alive another 15 years, they're going to have to do something. Do
0: we? Do we? I mean, you made a joke about the 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 sequel movies, right? And the prequel <laughs> movies. <laughs> Although I was always I was always a supporter of the prequel movies. I, I I'm glad that time has turned in my direction on those ones. I don't think there's any hope for this the, the sequel movies. I don't know. Mandalorian, you know, positive. Mm-hmm. Book of Boba Fett's lukewarm. Endor's supposed to be not great. Uh, that released last week. I've not had a chance to look at it, so have
1: not either. What about Obi Wan?
0: I'm mixed on Obi Wan. I did finish it, but I'm mixed. I think that's it wasn't all that it could be. I don't have like rings of power level hatred for it, but <laughs> uh, I thought that they could have done a lot more, especially having you and McGregor at your disposal. What do we have left? Oh. This little thing called Auras, the role-playing game. Bert, right. last week off the air, we talked a little bit. And, right. then, and that, combined with some pushing and prodding from other folks, all at the right time, I guess in the right spots, prompted me to put a lot of my week into looking at notes that were 20 years old.
1: All right. So you, so obviously you had this idea 20 years ago. Tell us a little bit about auras. Where does the idea come from?
0: Well, I guess it would have been in the three Oh three, five days. Right. And things were starting to get bloated. (laughs) No three, five bloated. No. Uh, And I was looking for a way to, to sort of, tear things down. I was also looking at a way to sort of replicate the idea of an old-school video game RPG and an old-school... And then it wasn't that old-school, right? It was a, a, a just one generation removed tabletop role-playing game. Okay. And I came up with this idea of... Breaking the stat block, that was really the core thing. I was like, we can't have a stat block. I wanted to remove that incredible layer of crunch that is sometimes off-putting. I mean, think about it. If you were to hand a character creation sort of workflow to the average 5th edition player, only that character creation workflow was from AD&D, their heads would explode.
1: Oh, are, are there are worse ones out there than AD&D. um oh. first edition Shadowrun,
0: Rolemaster. I mean, we we played them, right? Oh yeah. Uh, Shadowrun takes a, a while. I remember a character creation session. No shit. That was eight hours, and we did not finish the group for Rollmaster, right? Oof. Uh, Traveller, but Traveler's unique in that character creation is is a is a big part of of the the draw for that. Uh, But no, I I, I wanted to still have enough meat on the bone that would satisfy old grognards like us. And now I'm talking from present perspective. As I look back through the notes, I said, yeah, this can work. I don't know if it's going to be like a stereotypical model of OSR materials, but it definitely has sort of like an OSR tip-of-the-hat mindset with this whole new mechanical system. Um, So I went through my notes and scrubbed a lot of them, ended up marking a lot of stuff for rewrite, but realizing that, you know, this is something that legitimately can happen now that was not feasible then because back then if you were self-publishing – you were spiral binding things in your basement and mailing them out.
1: Yeah, yeah, or going to, you know, uh, conventions and selling, you know, at, you know, whatever convention you could get into and get a vendor table at.
0: Right, and now, thank goodness, technology has evolved to the point where you can effectively self-produce and self-publish with the right digital connections which are available to anyone especially when you're looking at you know production there are free tools there are paid tools i happen to have a a need for a lot of design tools so i already have adobe cs so uh, the paid tools are costing me zero right it's costing me time and love that I'm putting into the system. When it comes to distributing, I'm calling up Joe from Big Geek Emporium. Will I dance with the devil on drive through I don't know. Itch, itch.io is probably another reasonable possibility. And there are so many print-on-demand options right now that that's mm-hmm. one decision that's still sort of up in the air. Am I going to go full Kickstarter and publish or do I just do print-on-demand and eliminate that entire piece of the puzzle? Because, like I said, I have most of the overhead already covered. It's really just going to be my time and my love that goes into the system. So
1: right. so you don't have any time to play games, but you've got time to make games.
0: <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> it's different when I'm sitting at the couch with a laptop, managing the little dude and playing Hot Wheels with him on the side, versus getting away from that little dude for three, four, five hours, right?
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: It's, I guess, it's active time, but it's time that I can multitask things out Mm. of. That's true. It's not necessarily I need to block off half a day for it. So I thought about the core reasons I wanted to create the system and just sort of went from there and now it's just a part or it's just a matter of time and effort and you know revision and play testing and uh, then we get to do the fun part at least for me you know laying out the art and putting it all together and while I don't have nor do I even want to commit to a timeline. I think it's very reasonable to say that a year from now you could play Aura's the role-playing game.
1: You know, I'm going to do what you do to other creators now. It's my chance to step in and be Ryan, so let me see. Hold on, got to put on my dick face.
0: All right, dick face.
1: All right, so... All right, sell it to me. In a nutshell, you know, give me the elevator pitch. Why should I pick Aura's? Tell me, what, tell me all about it.
0: Here's the elevator pitch. It's going to work for the gamer of... All levels of ability and experience. Its core mechanic is based on your four auras, right? Might, Mind, Mana, and Mystique. And from those four stats, which are really just dice pools, everything else in the game is hinged. So we're not looking at insane calculations, we're looking at, you've got four stats, if you want to call them stats, that everything else is hinged on, and a menu to pick and choose and play your characters, or if you're the Soul Master, i.e. Dungeon Master, uh, your your monsters and your adventures from. So everything is, it, it's, it's OSR role-playing a la carte. Take the bricks out of the briefcase, really... Tear it down so that there's enough crunch that everyone is satisfied, but not enough that it'll put everyone off. And it's flexible. Think about what you can do with those four core stats. If you want to be a rogue that is dealing crazy damage and stealthy, then you're going to have Might and Mind as your core stats. right? Whereas if you are a, a Deft Mage or not even mage, let's say sorcerer, or, or something like that. Um, you're going to focus your mana and your mystique. Um, it, it's logical progression for what happens. How, uh, I, I've got to roll this spell. Well, the spell says two times my mana ability. My mana is two. Two times two is four. I'm going to roll four dice. If How many successes do I have? Great. What's my target to get through the enemy's resistance? Uh, it's very simple surface level calculations that again, take the bricks out of the briefcase and allow the game to be a game for everybody.
1: So it's, so the math is still there, but it seems like you've lightened up on the math, but you didn't go into that full, like um, sort of, what do you want to call it? Dynamic or like stunt based type of play either. What I was thinking of is, you know, there's a lot of games that went to very simple math but have a more cinematic play style. Things like Fate or something like that. Where, Or there's games that are, you know, super number heavy um, but kind of limited with customization because of that, you know.
0: Well, here's the great thing. Since it is what you see is what you get and logic prevails when it comes to stats, um, you can run it. In either style, and still be incredibly successful. There's not going to be a particular play style that suits itself better to this system than a different one. If and you used Fate, I I've played Fate, I've run Fate, I've enjoyed Fate. Um, if you prefer sort of that cinematic feel, you can still have that cinematic feel. But when it comes down to a die roll, there's not going to be a need for you to grab a book. You're going to be able to look at a sheet and make a logical decision based on what you know from the, from, from the system. The only okay. time you're going to need to grab a book is if you level up a character or if you're the soul master, you know, running an encounter or preparing for a session.
1: Interesting. So the idea is, you know, the, to make it more accessible...
0: Yeah, because I'm such Um, a gatekeeper, right?
1: (laughs) Right, right. Well, I mean, there is a uh, a segment of the gaming community that hates you. Does this game have anything to offer for them?
0: I absolutely think it does. Um, Now, I'm going to be very upfront. It is designed with the philosophy of playstyle that we see in the OSR, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to play it and enjoy it. Like I said... Whatever play style you have, there's a logical connection to the stats and the mechanics of the game. And again, some of those are still being worked out, you know. But my goal is to have a very rich system and eventually setting that can be adapted regardless of your play style. Um, I like
1: that. Considering our first segment, I really only have one more question for you, Ryan. Uh Uh-oh. How do I win? (laughs) Get the fuck (laughs) out of here.
0: Uh, I've been uh, trickling art out on Twitter um, bit by bit. Very, very slow. Uh, In fact, I shared some art with you this week, too. You did? Um,
1: It was pretty interesting. Twitter has
0: only seen maybe three or four of those at, at this point. Um,
1: what kind of response are you getting? Positive.
0: I, I think it's funny that uh, the the one of the first comments that, that I remember, it may not be one of the first comments, but one of the first comments that I remember is from a creator in the OSR. And their comment was, I wonder if the Sparkle Trolls are pissed off that you stole their color scheme. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but um, no, no, I, I was really unsure about how to go about just the art direction, and as you know, if it doesn't involve a computer and it involves, like, a pen and ink, I am worthless. I can do magic in Photoshop, but I can't do shit with a pencil. Um, So I was really, really trepidatious about the art, and I think I found a good solution that might ruffle a few feathers, um, but It's a great solution, and again, it speaks to sort of one of my other passions being technology, is I am modifying an AI model to generate the art for me. And so far, it has been wildly successful. So anything that you have seen, whether it's character art, whether it's uh, scene art, um, with the exception of design stuff, like, you know, I did the... The font, and I did the effects and that sort of thing. But the really? actual art art is all going to be AI generated. So it, it, it took away two things. We know that art is incredibly expensive. And the last thing that I would want to do is to go to one of my friends that produces art and offer them less than they are worth, right? Don't want to do that. Um, we also know that it's incredibly time consuming. And with the exception of cleanup and layout and design, the bones of the system are there because I made them 20 years ago. So um, I solve two problems I solve the cost problem of art, and I solve the time problem of art by modifying what is out there as an open source AI art generator. That anyone can download and with a little bit of coding experience can can pop in their own variables and modify it. And the more that model learns, the disgusting amount that the art gets better. Um, I can't tell you where I started from on day one and where I ended up on day five with how the art has progressed. Um very, very Terminator-scary levels of progression on that machine learning.
1: Awesome. You know, Skynet
0: will rule us all. They will, but we'll have a great RPG to play. Um, that, that again, it's going to be accessible for everybody, too. I'm not looking to be a millionaire out of this thing. I'm looking to release what I think is a better system. You know, I uh, retired from main career, and... I'm okay. I'm not like, it's not a money thing. It's a passion for the industry thing. And it really is a system that I thought was great when I came up with it. The timing wasn't right for self-publishing to be feasible. I still had things like family and life experiences and work to worry about. Uh, Now, now I'm at a better point with all of those things where I'm not to say that I don't have to worry about those things, but they're not. They're set. They're established. They're they're where they need to be. So I do have the time to put in. And uh, hey, Joe, I'll be calling you, Big Geek Emporium. Free plug.
1: <laughs> well, I'm interested in all of it, but I think that uh, you know, as you develop it, we'll have uh, a chance to hear more updates and find out more as you sort of get there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I certainly. Be happy to, to do that and talk about it. Of course, you can follow me at I Hate Ryan David on Twitter to see all of the stuff and my ramblings as well. Um, I did create a Twitter account for Auras. It's uh, at Auras underscore RPG, but right now it's dormant. It's just there so that it exists. We are very, very pre-alpha, but people have been asking questions, and I wanted to not so much, you know... Pat myself on the back, but answer those questions, and I didn't want to have to answer them 20 times, so doing it once, and it's done. Good old podcast. Speaking of podcasts, clearly you're listening to Nerd Cognito on a podcast provider, and we certainly hope that you have subscribed and liked and left us reviews on said podcast provider. We're everywhere. Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, pretty much, if you can get a podcast there, you can find us. And all we ask is that you do subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode, and that you tell your friends about it. It's the only way that we can grow. We can't do it without you. So, like, subscribe, review, and above all, tell your friends. Oi, we went long this week, Bert.
1: We did. We did, uh, you know. Uh, not saying that you like talking about yourself or anything, Ryan, but...
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm i probably going to cut a lot of that out because, um, again, it, it's not a me thing with this. It's just I, I finally got off my ass and, and did something for the hobby. Not that I wasn't before, but, you know, I can do more than use my big fat mouth. I can use my big fat brain sometimes, too. Well, I guess... We better wrap this up since we're going so late. Uh, We thank you for listening. My name is Ryan David. I, of course, was joined by Bert, and we will talk at you next week.
1: Be safe out there, everybody.